Hello fellow humans, Chris here again, reporting from inside. So uh, today I just wanted to talk briefly about my first hearing examination. I know that uh, at least a couple people uh, expressed a little bit of interest in that whole thing uh, and, and how that worked out. So I will share what happened in a very general sense. Uh, I'm not going to obviously, you know, I'm going to respect people's privacy. I'm not going to say any identifiers or anything like that. Um, but I can kind of just talk in a nutshell about what happened. So um, there were kind of two general um, categories of violations. There was um, like city code stuff like um, junk, household junk, uh, inoperable vehicles being out in front of the house, like public nuisance and uh, um, just like eyesores, like that got, that kind of thing. And then there was weed abatement, which is pretty much fire hazards. Uh, and again, you know, talking about smoke and everything going on in California right now, that is an issue that I am not super apt to be lenient on uh, because of this, the seriousness of it. So the 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 cases that had well I'll just go from this way um, I'll talk about the things that I appeal that I that I did appeal um, and those ones were um, basically things where the person did make a good faith effort to fix it and then ultimately did fix it or if they had some extreme extenuating circumstance so the cases where I appealed in this one one of them was somebody that had um, basically junk debris in the front of their house and then an inoperable vehicle in the front of their house. And the initial pictures showed uh, it, it looked pretty bad. You know, it did, it was, it was very, uh, very uh, messy and uh, disorganized and disheveled. And there was a car that was, you know, uh, t tires were clearly flat. It was, uh, looked like it had been vandalized. So clearly it did represent a violation. And, and I've said this before, my job in this role is not to determine if a violation occurred or to interpret code. That's already been done. This, these people have already been pegged for violating something. So that's not what I'm, what I'm looking at. Um, but I am, I'm listening to the story. So when the, when the city officials came back for the second round to, uh, to, to check that it was still in violation, uh, they, it was still in violation. I should step back for just a second. So what they do is they, they make the first notification that a violation is there and they notify the owner and they give them a timeline for, for fixing it. So when they came back for the second time, it was still in violation, therefore monetary fine. When I looked at the pictures... The second set of pictures was vastly an improvement from the first. The only thing that I could see that was still a technical violation was that the car was still inoperable. There was a flat tire, uh, and it hadn't been it hadn't been taken care of. So her story was that she had had a a run of the mill with uh, donating this vehicle, and there was a lien put on it at some point. And she had this whole to do with the DMV. 
I'm very aware that the DMV is a, a pain in the ass sometimes to deal with. Uh, and I, I appreciated the fact that she wanted to donate the car. I've been in that situation myself where a car becomes more trouble than it's worth. Literally, like the cost of fixing it up is more expensive than the car's worth. So I'm, I'm definitely sensitive to that. And uh, it's just been a trying time. And at the time of the, the, the hearing, she had, had been able to figure out a way to get it uh, into a garage and it's no longer an eyesore. Um, so, you know, I took all that into account. She did have documentation showing um, different DMV visits. She, she had documentation showing attempts to, to donate it and that there, you can't donate it if, it, if there's a lien on the car. Uh, and um, so I, I waived that one. I, I gave the appeal. And the actual, the fine for that was actually not a monetary fine. It was the cost of, of what it would cost for the city to come out and move it. And in this case, it would be moving the car which is now in a garage anyway. So um, they would still do it, I think. Like they, you know, they would take the opportunity to get their money. Um, but I just said, why, why uh, spend the money uh, to come get the car if it's in a garage now? So I upheld that one. Um, you know, no big, uh, no big loss there. And then the other one I upheld, this was a weed one. This was a weed story, which I did say I'm... I'm less apt to be leaning on these, but um, she had multiple hospital visits, had an open heart surgery, and actually had a case of COVID. Um, and uh, and and I felt she did have a an earnest, good faith um, belief that the the yard work person that she had, her gardener, was taking care of the weeds. I believe he did take care of the weeds, but he didn't realize how often he needed to. Um, and there might have been some miscommunication there. I gave that person a break. The rest of them, um, I, I either upheld the ruling or I gave a reduced fee. And most of the rest of them were weed issues. And as I said, I'm not super inclined to be lenient on those because of the, the nature of fire season. And the, the city does spend a lot of money uh, every year doing these inspections and putting out these violations uh, and then paying people like me to look over them. So I, I'm cognizant of that, that this is not just um, you're just throwing paper at people and asking for money. Um, so I listened to everybody's story and, you know, most of those ones I actually didn't. I didn't grant an appeal uh, because the stories usually didn't check out for me in terms of there being like a genuine... Uh, preclusion of getting the weeds taken care of. Uh, one, one in particular that I didn't grant um, uh, really, what really didn't help them was they said that they had cut the weeds in March, which was before the deadline. But the stipulation on the on the order was that not only the weeds have to be cut, but they have to be in compliance when we come back out and check. And they came back out and checked in May after April 15th, which was the deadline, and they were not in compliance. And the thing that really didn't help them for me was they said, well, we didn't know when you were coming out. If we knew when you were going to come inspect us, we would have taken care of it before then. And I told them that the intention of the the law, the, 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 the rule here, uh, is not 
to just have a calendar and say, okay, they're going to come inspect these this day, this day, and this day, and then take care of it then. It needs to be in constant compliance because of the inherent fire danger. And each one of these cases that had to do with weeds, they were designated a fire hazard by the, the fire chief uh, in, in the city for each one. So that right there, to me, is strong um, evidence towards violation. You have to have a pretty good story in my book to, to reverse that. Um, the, the cases that had to do with fire that I, aside from the woman, the, the hospital one that I talked about earlier, um, there were a couple ones where I reduced the fee. And some of that was basically if I, if I recognized that there was a reasonable, good faith attempt to, to mitigate the problem, um, but at the same time being cognizant of the fact that um, it, it is a serious responsibility and uh, it's just it's an important uh, it's an important um, rule to to abide by because of the nature of the danger involved and I just think that as as a responsible property owner you need to find a way to handle these issues because the fires get out of control. Um, so I, I took people's story into, into account and I reduced a few of them um, because they were respectful and um, acknowledging that there was a violation. One example that where I did, te technically I actually did grant an appeal, but it basically was a, a, a reduction because this person had three different parcels of land and was being dinged for all of them. Uh, where I gave him a break was two of the parcels of land were right next to each other and from his, for his perspective, it's just one property. So he kind of felt like he was getting a little bit hosed because he was getting counted for, for two when he just pictured it as one. Um, so I, I cut him a break there. Uh, and a lot of that, again, was just because he was being respectful about it. He did acknowledge that he was responsible for it and he didn't take care of it like he should have. So I, I took that into account and uh, basically gave him a break on that so he got... He got a pretty good chunk reduced for that. Uh, if we had gone ahead and um, it actually put those two properties together, uh, the square footage size of it would have actually made it a higher violation um, than what we gave him. So he did get a break either way. Um, so anyway, those are the those are the the ones that really stuck out. Um, there was a good story about one that happened that. Uh, in the case that I, I wasn't sitting on when I was watching, so this was a couple of weeks before, uh, and I was just observing, um, the guy, um, they were, it was a, an illegal dumping case, and these guys were on video stopping their tow truck and dumping, a, I think it was a couch, <laughs> uh, into the middle of a, a roadway, and it turned out that this was a, a property, uh, this was the property of a business that was right there, and it was it was on security camera, so it was all caught. And they get into the car, quickly run in the vehicle and drive away, and then they get caught by, looks like police or some city officials of some kind, right then. Uh, so their defense was that they had had an arrangement with the owner that if they come back, as long as they come back before 6, they won't press charges. Um... You know that's one way to say it, but the the actual voicemail that they played, which was they were playing it in their defense, was a very angry, um, 
agent or representative of that business saying, I just saw you on camera dr uh, dumping crap on my property. Uh, please come back and get it or I will call the cops. Uh, and that particular stretch of land, I guess, from what they said, is, is a really bad spot for illegal dumping anyway. So didn't look good. Uh, I wasn't on that one, so it wasn't my decision. But if it was me, uh, don't think I'd be granting a waiver in that case. Um, didn't seem like a good example of, of one where I would be lenient. But uh, anyway, that's just in a nutshell how that went um, from an administrative point of view. Uh, personally, it was pretty stressful, to be honest. Uh, it was, especially I think uh, being virtual, it was still doing it virtually. I think that when I get to be in City Hall uh, and actually like presiding over it, I think I'll be more comfortable and uh, it's just a little easier to kind of maintain control and see where everybody is and, and it's just sort of that formality with uh, 30 heads on a, on a screen, uh, different different cameras uh, on the Zoom call. It's it's kind of uh, it's kind of intimidating and, and complex in a way, and just being your first time as well. I don't know everybody. I got a couple couple people's names wrong a few times, but everybody was was good with me and, and patient understanding. So uh, it'll be good. It was a good experience. My next one will be in October, so I'll be looking forward to that. Um, I'm hoping I'll be more seasoned and uh, chiseled by then, and be able to uh, confidently carry out all the duties um, that I have to. But uh, that was uh, kind of in a nutshell how that went. So hope hope you like the story. Um, hope that uh, hope that uh, satisfied you, whatever curiosity you might have had about that. Um, and I will be catching up with you all again very soon. Uh, thanks again for checking in on me, and have a great rest of your day. Remember, don't be afraid to question the consensus.